why I love movies so much, why I love screenwriting, why I love filmmaking is we're talking about what does it mean to be human? What are we looking to achieve? What do we want this to be like? How do we make sense of the things that happen to us? Are they good? Are they bad? Is there silver lining on the dark cloud? All of these films have done this for a long time. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our special co-host today is Jody Mayberry from parkleaders.com. Hey, Jody. Hi, Jared. Good to be back. Yeah, great. You're like the neighborhood kid that won't get out of my yard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. In a good way. Yeah, so obviously we're excited because today we have Chase Reeves. and We've been wanting to talk with Chase for a few months now and it's actually happening today. Chase, of course, is a weird mix of business design, marketing, and tomfoolery. He is a blogger, podcaster, and entrepreneur through his work on Fizzle.co. He helps entrepreneurs find their creative habit and avoid burnout. Chase lives in Portland, Oregon with his lovely wife and son. Chase, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, guys. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. I'm glad it all worked out. All right, Chase. The first question we always ask, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Man, I knew this one was coming. And it's funny, I have actually meant to like think of and like actually have a good answer to this beforehand. And now I'm on the spot because I didn't end up getting to it. So here I am not finding my own creative habit, Jared, you know, really (laughs) doing a poor job. But let's see. Okay, I'm gonna do two things. Can I do two? Yes. All right. So first of all, recently, I saw a band called Animals as Leaders. They're like sort of a, a very heavy band, but extremely technical musically. The guitar player, drummer, bassist, they're all like these phenomenal musicians. And so I was at this little metal club in Portland and there was a like, what do they call it? A balcony in the back. And I just got to watch the whole thing. And the music's amazing. I knew every note by heart because I'd been listening to the album so much. But then just watching the crowd of like, <laughs> you know, these metal kids doing the mosh pit thing and everyone's all jumping up on stage, but not for too long. And you see all these like social norms in the midst of like what's something supposed to be super chaotic, but there's actually all these kind of rules that govern it. It was a blast to do that. And then I have to go back to seeing Van Halen when I was in junior high, because I think that set me on course <laughs> to really just, you know, basically I bought a shirt there that I didn't stop wearing for about five or 10 years. Did it say Panama? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, it just said like, it was like a mechanic shirt that just said Van Halen on it. So it was great. Awesome. All right, Chase, let's go into finish this sentence. But now you got sentence. Panama stuck in my head and I'm <laughs> Panama. <laughs> it's so good. What a good song. <laughs> That's a classic. We, uh, maybe I can get the editor down, to put some in. In between my legs. <laughs> oh, this is a G-rated show, people. Come on. <laughs> All right, Jody, let's roll in to finish this sentence. Okay, Chase, I am going to start with a sentence, and then you just finish it and perhaps tell us a little bit why. The best iOS calendar app is? Easy. That's the Sunrise. Oh, hold on. Let me make sure it's it's either Sunrise or Sunset. It's sunrise. Okay, look at this, folks. Here's the deal. I've had to deal with these damn iPhone calendars for a long time now. They're supposed to be great. It's supposed to make my life better, right? First of all, it looks beautiful. Even just the basic calendar app that comes on your iOS device is gorgeous, right? But then you can't really do the, uh, what do they call it? The semantic, you know, date entering or whatever, where you could say like meeting with John next Tuesday and then it automatically does the thing. Fantastical was the first one to do that. And that just changed everyone's world where you could just say like, you know, just write a sentence and it automatically puts the thing together. So Fantastical 2, 
is out, and that's a great option as well, but I don't like their weak view. Also, you have to turn it sideways, like landscape mode, in order to see the weak view, which is a way that I like to do it, where I can kind of see where the open gaps are. I don't like to see just a list of events. Are you guys tracking with me here? Totally. Because it's just like, okay, that means I have three things that next day, but I don't know where the gaps are, and I don't know what time's what. I got to do all this math, rather than just visual dumb guy, it makes all the sense in the world. So another one was Calendars 5 which is great. I love that. I used that for a long time because it has this interesting week view. But in the end, I just tried Sunrise after sort of being frustrated enough with Calendars 5 and realized, oh my God, it's everything I've ever dreamt of. I don't even know if it does the semantic date entering stuff, but it does the way that you do add events to it. It's easier than others for some reason. It's designed beautifully. And the week view is sensational. I don't even have to change it in the landscape mode. As you can see, I have a lot of time on my hands. So I care very <laughs> deeply about my calendar events. That was one of the best finishes sentences ever. Oh, right. good. Well, I'm, so, luckily you nailed a nerve. <laughs> well, why stop there? Next finishes sentence. If you ever visit Portland, don't forget to... Oh, God, this one's a hard one. Okay, I'm going to have to talk about donuts for a second. Everybody's going to tell you about voodoo donuts. Oh, look, it's a donut shaped like a penis. Hey, look, it's a donut that's nine feet long. Oh, my God, it's a maple bar with a piece of bacon on the top. That's fine. That's cute. Go do it. Go check it out. Then everybody who thinks they're super cool is going to go like, no, you got to try Blue Star. Blue Star Donuts is like a comic book about a donut. It's basically 15 cakes slammed into one and then turned into different, like, beautiful little elegant pieces of creation. One of their most famous donuts being, what is it, the uh, basil bourbon uh, something? Uh, I think blueberry basil bourbon. It's gorgeous. Uh, Phenomenal. Voodoo Donuts, you go there, you spend $5, you get like two dozens of day-old donuts. You go into Blue Star, you spend $5, you get a donut to share with maybe a few friends. Are you guys still there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm loving it, man. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Making me hungry. My headphones cut out for a second. Okay, so the difference between those two. Now, off the beaten path are two little special donut shots. First of all, when you go to Portland, you want to see the crazy stuff. So go to Voodoo and go to Blue Star. They're going to be wonderful. You're going to absolutely have the time of your life in both of those, especially Blue Star. It's incredible. They actually do fried chicken sandwich between two donuts. <laughs> Sensational. Really, And actually, the fried chicken's really good. Their buttermilk, their standard sort of buttermilk is real good as well if you plan on not eating for another three or four days, it'll do that to you. But my favorite is Coco's Donuts because it's the only donut in town that's still like 75 cents for a donut. And it's the donut that made me want to be a better man, Jared. This is, As it should be. This is like, you know, I've had really good, yeah, Blue Star, delicious, incredible. But these, I've never been a maple bar guy. I've never really been much of a donut guy. I mean, who doesn't like donuts, right? It's like, yeah, sure. I like donuts. But this donut, they used to carry them at this coffee shop by my house. It was so, in fact, I'm going to get a little emotional here. It was so delicate and delicious. The dough was soft and it almost kind of dissolved in my mouth, but there was just the right amount of chewiness there. And then the icing on top, extremely thin layer. It was almost like porcelain, this little tiny bit for porcelain. You just crack right through it with your little mandibles. And it's literally a donut that showed me I was capable of so much more than what I was doing with my life at the time. And that's why I got off heroin and started, you know, seeing this woman seriously. And uh, now I'm married and we have a five-year-old. So then we got the, got that for going for us. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wasn't on heroin, <laughs> but I did like the donut an awful lot. <laughs> we may have to stop this interview so I can go get a donut. Yeah. I'm yeah, telling you, too. you guys, Coco's Donuts in Portland. And you're going to be hard pressed because Portland's a town where we go, hmm. 
like name something shampoo like will you'll never find a shampoo where someone pays more attention to the details in a shampoo than you will in portland oregon same thing of course with the maple bar and that's why i gotta go with coco's donuts duly noted yeah Well, if somebody's going to eat all these donuts, they may want to start running. So if someone wants to take up distance running, it is smart to... Jeez Louise, you guys are good. You guys are good. If someone wants to take up distance running, it'd be smart to... You know, basically what you got to do is you got to get a fanny pack. I mean, honestly, get some running shoes, but mostly it's a fanny pack. And then subscribe to as many podcasts as you possibly can. If you really want to up the game a little bit, you can get a pair of Bluetooth headphones. But I would go for the Bose in-ear headphones before that just to prove to yourself that you've got this in you and that it's worth spending some money on it. I think what you guys are getting at is I'm new to distance running and I don't know, I guess I'm mentally, (laughs) I have my own mental issues and it's sort of a nightmare being stuck in my head. And I'm never happier than when I get to be sort of, you know, 15 miles from home on my own two feet with a couple goo packs and a water bottle just going like, how the hell am I going to get home? (laughs) So, so fanny pack, podcasts, and a couple goo packs should do you just fine. Chase, it's likely that someone who's running is also going to be listening to music at some point. If they can only listen to one Norwegian band, they should check out blank. <laughs> you guys are amazing. <laughs> They should check out Jagged Jazzist. Well, two, I'm going to give you two. Jagged Jazzist, if you want to go instrumental. The National Bank, if you want to go with some lyrics. This is National Bank is basically some members from Jagged Jazzist and this folk singer named Thomas Dibdahl. All of them live in Oslo, and they're phenomenal musicians, phenomenal, like incredible. And the National Bank is sort of like Oslo's The Police, I guess. So they make like, you know, power pop music that's just so good. But Jagged Jazz is if you have more of like a sort of an avant-garde sort of taste. All right. Well, the next category is blank versus blank. I will give you two choices. You choose one and tell us why. And this is a personal one for me and you, Chase. Jody versus Joby. Whoa. What am I supposed to do with these? I just say, <laughs> I just want to say yes. <laughs> I think that's the answer. Jimmy. Yeah, that must be. That's a reference to when we met in Portland and you called me Jolby. But oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> All right. Let's roll into true or false. Okay, Chase, true or false. Should you wear a hat when you attend an event? Well, I'm glad you brought this up, Jared, because it's an important issue that isn't getting talked about a lot today. The answer is you absolutely have to wear a hat, and that doesn't mean you have to wear a hat. I'll explain. You have to have weird hair or you have to wear a hat. That's just how it goes. That's how people are going to remember you. Or like maybe some glasses or a bow tie or something, maybe some colorful. Everybody's doing colorful business socks now. Look at all the guys doing colorful business socks. It's adorable. I love that for them. Yeah. (laughs) Do the colorful business socks. Do something. Stand out from the crowd. But you know what? That's just like advice. And to be fair, like I don't really take my own advice most of the time. So find your own path, I guess. <laughs> okay. Right. Tr- true or false? Fernet is made out of peppermint and motor oil. That's absolutely true. You must be doing some terrific research out there in the world, you guys, because a lot of people don't know that. It's made from Fernet motor oil. It's mixed together into a sluice aged in oak casks. And then a few of Italy's favorite virgins cry one single tear each into the mix, and then it sits for 90 years, and then you drink it, and it tastes disgusting. Good news. All right. Good news. And the final true or false, if someone is having trouble setting up their printer, they can call Chase Reeves for help. That is absolutely 
false. Do not ever. I don't understand what a driver is either. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on to the meatier questions or the questions with more meat. Yeah. How about that? Yes. Yeah. Why is it helpful to study screenwriting? So I've been studying screenwriting like loosely. I've gotten a handful of books. And, you know, this started with my friend Don Miller. He's a writer. He wrote a book called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And it's just about like he wrote a book called Blue Lake Jazz. And then these filmmakers wanted to make a movie out of it. And this book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, which I highly recommend, is about how he learned the elements of story when he was working with these filmmakers to basically turn his real life story into something that would make sense on screen. And so that kind of piqued my interest because as a, I don't know, as a guy who's been a marketer for a long time, like I hesitate to call myself a marketer, but I've been a marketer for a long time. I agree with Seth Godin in that marketers ruin everything and I'm working awful hard trying not to ruin what I get to write about. But with screenwriting, why I love movies so much, why I love screenwriting, why I love filmmaking is we're talking about what does it mean to be human? What are we looking to achieve? What do we want this to be like? How do we make sense of the things that happen to us? Are they good? Are they bad? Is there silver lining on the dark cloud? All of these films have done this for a long time. They've made sense of life's little things, and they do it through you know making fables out of things. And so the screenwriter employs all of these little tips and tricks and tools around creating a character, getting us to like that character, getting us to root for that character and care enough about them to keep watching the movie. Caring enough about the story and the bad guy has to be bad enough and all this other stuff. To me, these are all directly transferable into copywriting and into just communicating with people and telling stories. Because I think that's most of us are doing online and now it's become very fashionable to say, I tell stories. Oh, I mostly am just looking to tell stories. Oh, I'm looking to connect with people and tell stories. But it's the truth. We all kind of are. So screenwriters to me have this real knack or they just have this tradition of telling a story that's interesting in its own right. Whereas copywriters and marketers have this tradition of interrupting people and ruining your day by trying to make you believe that you're not good enough because you need this mascara or that shampoo or this kind of computer or something like that, right? And I think I love advertising. I love great advertising. And that's probably, you know, a commercial is a tiny film. You're getting me to care enough about the main character, which might be a car or might be a city. Like I remember these Chrysler ads about that were taking place in Detroit. And it's really about like the rebirth of Detroit. And that's not true about that brand, but it made me excited about the story. It made me believe it for a little bit. And also they had that Eminem music in the background, which always kind of gets me fired up. So that's that's why I like studying film writing or screenwriting right now. Chase, speaking of storytelling, let's just imagine for a moment you're in front of a bunch of children at the local library Mm -hmm. and you're about to read a story that you've never read before. It's handed to you. And we're going to ask that you make up this story on the fly. The name of the story is what being a podcast host taught me that blogging did not. What is that story? There once was a town with a very, very cheesy radio host. And this radio host was the one that everybody listened to. His name was Jeffrey Jefferson, and he would get on the radio and he'd go, Hi, everybody. Have a great day today because it's all so great. Isn't life wonderful? And then everybody would listen and they'd say back, Life is so wonderful. Meanwhile, though, there were people on the street that didn't have any food. And one day, this little boy named Aiden saw the little kid without any food and talked to him. And what happened next 
it's going to blow your mind. Then I guess you got to go to the second chapter of, or something like that. And I think there's a second book. That's how we sell more books, I think. So we cut it's it. A it's a series. Yeah, that makes true. sense. That's smart from Amazon. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just, one of the little tricks that I learned, not from screenwriting, just from telling stories to my son, which as you can see, I'm not that great at, is you just, you always start with the bad guy. And what I did wrong there is the bad guy wasn't <laughs> bad enough. You got to make it bad. I was heading towards like, oh, this radio host gets everybody, to, they're all the same now because this mm. cheesy guy. And then Aiden would grow up to become his own radio host and it would be extremely honest and guttural and raw and and people would start to figure out their own voice and yada, yada, yada. As you can see, I have way too much time on my hands. <laughs> but start, that's a trick. Hey, dad's out there. That's a trick. Start with the place and then the bad guy. It's a dragon in a town that was on a hill and the dragon owned all the things. Everybody's crying. Go for it. Well, Jody and I felt bad for the starving kids. I wanted to give them a donut. Yeah, they you needed to, a but... donut so bad. Right. Well, I'm not sure what happened there, but I think somebody mentioned podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Chase, I know you recently switched your podcast hosting to SoundCloud. Why did you make that switch? Great question. I'm still kind of asking myself that question now, several months later. Basically, I like SoundCloud. There's a handful of brands online that I really respect a lot, and I want my company's brand to be right up there with. I want you to be able to see Fizzle right next to MailChimp and Squarespace and SoundCloud. And these sorts of brands are brands like MailChimp is a great example. It just feels like it's built by the internet for the internet. SoundCloud's a good example of that a little bit. They have great pedigree. I like their investors. I like their CEO. I like a lot of the stuff. They're also, as podcasters, though, I mean, we're on the back burner to them. We're not very much seen to them. And as a chunk of their business, I don't think we're going to be much of a big splash. But I wanted to go over there just to support them. I like the idea of being found in another environment. It's kind of like, hey, if you're going to put a video on your website, might as well put it on YouTube as well. You know, that kind of stuff. We're not seeing a ton of play from that yet, but as with most things, though, these kinds of stuff develops over time. So we're still learning. I like the player a lot. I really think the player looks great. The stats are, they count a little more conservatively than Libsyn, apparently. And, you know, every audio podcaster sort of provider counts their stats a little bit differently based on, hey, did they get just one packet or the whole thing or all this other technical mumbo jumbo? So it's been interesting in that regard, but ultimately it's a great little player and I like that experience for people. I mean, over half our show will listen just through their podcast app so they don't even notice the difference, you know? Good deal. Chase, one of the things you do is you send an email every month to your son. Would you be willing to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So it's mostly just an idea based on good intentions. I just dreamt about what if when Aiden, my five-year-old son turns like 18 or 16 or something like that, I don't know how long I'll be able to sit on this email address. Wouldn't it be great if he got to like, you know, he got access to some surplus of letters that I and a handful of our friends had written him while he was growing up. I thought that would be great. So and I thought, well, why don't I just do it through email since Gmail will. Yeah, I'm making the horrible (laughs) assumption that Gmail is just going to be around then or something. But for the time being, it's a good place to just kind of store this stuff and throw it in there. In fact, I should log in and make sure that that's all working. So I, on Gmail, I signed up for an email address for my son, got that for him, and I figured I'd buy a domain name. And all, the, all these things are just as scarce in 15 years as they will as they are right now, right? So might as well get him some of this stuff. And I set a calendar event to just write him an email every month. So tell, I'll normally just kind of, for the first several, I was like, what do I say? I don't know who I'm writing to right now. So I just kind of write to where he is right now. 
and then also some bits about where he might be when he's 16 or 18. So I'll tell some stories about what he did today or this month or include some pictures. He turned five this month. This is what's going on. You're a total turd burglar and you're angry all the time and you never sleep all the way through the night. And so thanks for that. You're ruining my life. Stuff like, you know, simple dad stuff. And then just kind of like, actually, recently, I started kind of including a little bit more about, I'm real bummed for my son because he's going to inherit a lot of the same bad mental states as I have, uh, you know, frustration with, you know, being capable of a lot more than he's actually doing, uh, probably suffer from some of the depression stuff that I suffer with. And he'll probably have as much, you know, funny, exciting, interesting verbal sort of abilities. And that leads to a bunch of great stuff and a bunch of bad stuff. There's just that double-sided sword and that kind of thing. So I'm trying to like bring him into that process now a little bit and obviously, you know, adjust to your own taste there. But I'm excited for him to one day open these things up and maybe he realizes. I think what's interesting as I write these is I kind of hear my dad's voice, my own dad's voice. I could picture that man wanting to be more close to me back in the day and not being able to do it. But he was capable of writing this exact same stuff. And the discrepancy between being able to write and longing for that intimacy with my son and then actually like sort of meeting him, what that looks like in real life. So I find myself sort of struggling now, realizing like I'm capable of, I long for my son. I write to him and I can write him love letters, but I have a much more difficult time doing that in person. Not just saying that stuff, but just being on the floor with him playing Legos for an extended amount of time, you know, things like that. So it's this whole own, this new bundle of worms or can of worms or whatever that this exercise is sort of opening up for me. known worms to come in a bundle before. They do, yeah. They just put one the butt of one into the mouth of the other and they do a long thing and then it's kind of like a yarn ball. It's a Portland thing. It's a Portland thing. (laughs) It's a total Portland thing. Now, Chase, you have been through tragedy in your life and you were pretty open about it as it happened. Yeah. But you also had to get back to life and get stuff done being an entrepreneur whose family counts on you But what's the first step in getting back to regular life after you go through tragedy? You know, it's this weird, if you suffer like a death in the family or someone real close to you passes away, or if there's a lot of things that can trigger that kind of real deep guttural grief. And that's what I went through. And it was the first time that anything like that had happened, where it was like this autonomic nervous system response of this lethargy, dullness, just tired all the time, that kind of stuff. I was very confused by it because my mind was really active. My mind was still engaged and excited and wanted to do stuff and was trying to make sense of this situation, but it was tethered by a real short leash to this body that just couldn't deliver, couldn't perform like that. So the first step for us was I had a couple things that I sort of thought through. A friend of mine said, hey, we lost someone real close to us. And the piece of advice that I heard from a friend was don't buy a new house. Don't get into any new big project. Don't just like, because you're real, you want to. You want to just throw all that nervous energy and all that, I don't know, that confusion at something that has like a project that has a beginning, middle and end. Something that you can rage about over there and you can put all of this stuff that's just like an anger and a confusion about how things are. You want to throw it at something like a bad guy, like maybe a guy who's building a new house or something like that. So you could just yell at them for that or get real concerned and taken over with some project. Don't do that. Another thing is allow yourself to be in this for the right amount of time. And that, quote, right amount of time, end quote, is a real difficult thing to try to 
nailed down. There's no, it's going to be different for everyone. For my wife and I, we knew, I just kind of came up with the idea of like, we had planned, we were down in California. We were planning to move back up to Portland. Even before that, we had some talked about a little bit. And I knew that we would start talking about that like a new project. So I just allowed us, I just said, listen, we're not allowed to talk about that. And I think we did two months or maybe one month of that, just saying, this is not on the option. We have to just be in this together. We have to stay in this for the right amount of time. Just because there's a lot of stuff that have to wash over you and you have to kind of, I think you rush that and that'll start showing through later on, like sort of tree roots through a sidewalk, a concrete sidewalk, you know, 10, 20 years from now, all of a sudden everything's coming up cracked and jagged because you just didn't spend an extra right amount of time to stay in that stuff. So I guess that's two big things for me. And then obviously the third big one is you got to have people around that you can talk to about this. You know, so for me, my business partner, Corbett Barr, he was right there with me and he didn't really know how to be in that with me because it was a terrible thing. But at the same time, he made it abundantly clear that like whatever I needed and I was able to just more importantly, I was just able to chat with him about it. Be okay. I'm feeling good, but I just can't do this stuff right now. And I want to go over here and do this. And so he just let me do it at my own pace, but I had that feedback with him. Now, that was important because specifically it was about my work and my profession, a man thing a man really geeks out about and really like cherishes and maybe is awful insecure about when that those pieces aren't in place, right? So, those three pieces, you know, if you go through some serious bout of grief, stay in it for the right amount of time, you know, it's okay. Welcome to the universe. Life, the universe, and everything is mostly saying to you, we don't have the answers. You got to deal with this, pal. And then don't throw yourself into some big project. And finally, have someone or some people that you know you can be honest with about this. And even better, if you are a man, even it'd be so great if you could do that in your career, in your work environment, to have someone, a boss or a a partner or something like that, that you can have that kind of relationship with. Is, Is that making sense, you guys? It does, Chase. I really appreciate you being willing to share that. And as we start to wrap up here, what is the best place for the listeners to connect with you online? I am one of few people who blog and podcast at fizzle.co. We have a membership community there, but mostly just get into the podcast. If you like this podcast, you might like that one. We are less structured and more likely to say some horrible, horrible things and try to make (laughs) something funny out of it. (laughs) Oh, my. Chase, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Final thoughts, like thoughts on the finality of life, like just on the fact that we're all going to die or I mean, I guess yeah, that's it. We're all going to die. And so <laughs> enjoy yourselves. Thank you, Chase. Well said. We really appreciate your time and best wishes to you and the rest of the group. Thanks, man. Big fan. You absolutely have to wear a hat, and that doesn't mean you have to wear a hat. You have to have weird hair, or you have to wear a hat. That's just how it goes. That's how people are going to remember you.